Hey everybody, welcome to podcast number four. This is Matthew Finn. Uh, as I said, without further ado, I'm going to read up until page 15, or, you know, maybe longer, of uh, The Ashenborn, the first book, because, you know, I really can't afford to do an audiobook right now, so this is the next best thing. Um, if you guys would follow me on social media with Facebook at author, A-U-T-H-O-R-M dot W dot Finn, author M-W Finn, or at Instagram, Finn, F-E-N-N underscore M-A-T-T-H-E-W Matthew. So either one of those two, I'd appreciate it. Go on to Amazon, check it out. Look up Ashenborn, A-S-H-E-N-B-O-R-N, and you should be able to find my books and stuff and more information about me and what's going on and as far as new books that are coming out. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, and you know, subscribing. I appreciate you guys. And without further ado, I'll go ahead and start with the prologue. Prologue. The man's body shook as he held the enchanted weapon in front of him. He was sweating, and the veins in his forehead protruded. He gritted his teeth and tightened his grasp on the ancient weapon. Once more, he said, his chest heaving. The cloaked figure across from him hesitated, then opened the crimson-colored book and flipped through the yellowed and torn pages. If you insist, he responded, as he lifted a hand towards the twilight sky. Bolts of golden flames poured from his palms, a shower of golds and yellows. They fell into the ground like rain and soaked into the dry sand. The dirt sparked and shook as a tentacle-like light rose from it. The tentacles wove together around the cloaked man, interlocking, solidifying into a dome of pearlescent gold. The cloaked man was outlined in blinding electricity. Do not hold back your strike, the cloaked man shouted. Exemplified voice reverberating from inside the dome. The man clenched his teeth as the ruby of obsidian stones within the palm of the weapon began to glow. He yelled as he charged. The sword whistled behind him. High, whistled behind him as he ran. He cleared the distance and raised the sword high above him. He used all his strength as the blade arced downward, slamming into the magical barrier. The aura vibrated, but stopped the blade and held it rattling in place. The man breathed heavily and lowered himself to one knee as the blade sank into the dirt, leaning on the hilt to steady himself. The cloak man lowered his hand and looked at the barrier with interest. You managed to scratch it this time, he said, pointing at a cut in aura. As he spoke, a crackling noise rippled through the air, catching the man's attention. The cloak man's eyes widened as the aura cracked and splintered into smaller pieces of glass and light. The man wiped away the sweat from his bow with a fierce look on his face. Are you satisfied now? The cloak man said. You finally reached your goal. And the man rose, a glint in his eye. Not yet, the man said. Not yet. He seated the weapon behind him and sighed. What now? The cloak man asks. You take me to him, as you promised. The cloak man nodded. But first, what we agreed upon. The man reached into his pocket and tossed the bag of coins to him. Without looking, the cloak man snatched it from the air and eyed its contents. I would take you to him. The cloak man smiled, a poisonous look in his eyes. What do you intend to do? The man narrowed his eyes. I plan to kill him, he answered. The cloak man looked at him with surprise. Kill him? The man wielding a sword cleared his throat. Yes, and it's time to release those who are bound in chains. The crackle of magic filled the air, even if it means taking from one to another. Chapter 1. Life's fail. Elder Derek hurried towards the gold, the glass chest. Although the chest was clear, contents were hidden. With a wave of his crimson dark, dark crimson sleeve, the chest opened with a solid thud that resonated throughout the ornate yet empty temple. Reaching within the chest, his dark wrinkled hands pulled out several glowing fragments of stone. The stones appeared to be gems of the common variety at first glance, but they glowed as he touched them, indicating their significance. 
Colors of various shades illuminated Elder Derek's weathered face, making his grayish-brown hair look multicolored in the gleam of the stone's light. His eyes widen as the fragments begin to shake gently in his hand. Bolts of color burn from them as the stones warm. He let out a grimace. Following his brow, furrowing his brow, he placed the opposite hand over them, extinguishing their light. He closed his eyes and muttered something indistinguishable. In a moment, his eyes snapped open. Bring me a parchment and seal, the old voice spoke. An attendant standing nearby bowed, grabbed the requested items, and returned hastily. Is something wrong? the young man asked. Surely, the elder answered, but nothing that can't not be solved. The attendant handed him the parchment, which was decorated with strokes of gold and silver. He had also produced a fine dragon claw seal that was intended to address the scroll. Bring the candle as well, Elder Derek requested, rubbing his temples. My eyes are not quite what they used to be. The flame of the candle added additional light to that of the already flickering torches. Elder Derek wrote a simple message with a quick stroke of the feathered quill and wrapped the parchment carefully, pressing the red ink into the cup and upon the letter. He grabbed a sword beautifully decorated with rubies and sapphires from the wall. He dipped the dragon-scribed hilt into the ink and carefully pressed it onto the parchment beside the dragon claw. The symbol depicted a mountain with a dragon flying around it. That was his specific signature among the order. Each symbol, depending on rank, was different from the other. Derek himself was one of the higher-ranking members of his order. I'm not sure what good that will do, he thought, when things needed to be righted among them. He shook his head and rubbed his temples again. Have a bird deliver this immediately, he said as he wiped ink off the hilt with a cloth and tied the sword to his belt. The attendant bowed and left through the large, ornately decorated door, the main entrance of the temple. Derek looked around the immense open space before him. Stones decorated the floors with illustrations depicting battles of the past. Dragons and knights were interspersed with spirals of ancient symbols whose meanings were long forgotten. The flickering torchlight caused the markings to appear to ripple with regal flashes of wine red and shimmering gold in the ex expanse, can't speak y'all, were fine linens and an altar separated by dense cloth and rope. A place of calm and learning, Eric thought as he looked around, a place of peace. With a sudden burst of light, the door creaked open. My apologies, Elder, said a familiar voice, but the king wishes your company. Tritus. Derek replied with a hint of amusement in his voice. It seems coincidental, less meaning like this. Tritus looked at him questioningly. One eyebrow raised. The man standing before Derek was a newly enlisted soldier of the King's Guard. He was no more than 20 years, and already he had a hint of a black mustache and beard forming on his smooth skin. Derek was fond of him because he always sought new knowledge to better himself and always had so, so many questions. I was headed that way myself, Derek said, shaking his head. I'm surprised you don't have any more questions to ask. Try to step aside, bowing as he did so. I am on my way to guard duty, Trias said. I have no questions yet, but the day is young. My apologies, Elder, but the king wanted me to inform you this matter is best attended to with haste. Derek nodded. Then I must waste no time in responding to his summons. Tritus bowed again and excused himself. How the young grow and the older remain old, Derek chuckled to himself. His thoughts turned to the king's summons. For the king to require haste meant the matter was of extreme importance. Derek was thoughtful as he walked the marble path past a few houses leading up to the castle. The grandiose marble stronghold shone brightly in the morning light. The castle stood on the furthermost edge of the mountain, and from it stretched thick, fortified walls that surround the kingdom of Blyfsville. These barriers, despite having seen bound in the past, gleamed as wide as if they had never seen a day of conflict. Derek smiled with pride at the thought uh, at the sight of the many houses of straw and stone cut, scattered throughout the inner safety of the walls. The incandescence of something so massive made him feel small, despite the importance that he carried among the people. 
He passed the blacksmith's shop, blackened from the continued use of fire for the benefit of the kingdom. The flags of Laxfell could be seen upon the many watchtowers built into the walls. The stone path, worn from use, led him straight to a large door that opened into the castle of Alanius, the king of Laxfell. Two flags swayed in the wind. The highest was a white flag bearing the image of, the, of a dragon outlined in the black, roaring and spewing gold flames. Below was the flag of Laxfell, which possessed the same decoration as a seal on Derek's sword, a dragon circling a mountain. The highest flag represented High King Archyrus who ruled over the entire realm of Yadir. The Ashenborn Temple was relatively close to the castle, not only for convenience, but to symbolize its importance. Elder Derek approached the entrance and found it guarded by four men dressed in copper chainmail. Hanging from their necks were chains strung with silver, single silver claws representing their rank among the guard. The claw that Derek wore was golden, signifying his authority. Only royalty of the highest of the guard of Lysville or generals could wear such a gold talon. By his count, there were six other than himself who possessed the golden symbol. The guards nodded and parted as the chains were cranked, opening the gateway to the passage of the king. The massive columns of stone moved, and fragments of mirrored stone shone as they tilted in the sunlight. Several nobles greeted Elder Derek along the way, and although he acknowledged them, his attention was preoccupied with his own thoughts. He snapped back to his surroundings to find that he was outside the war room. The king would often be found in the war room, a meeting place of great importance. A servant leading up Derek bowed graciously as he entered, and with a gesture from the king, he announced the arrival of the graying and prudent elder. Derek was impressed by the regal look of the king's golden crown, inlaid with white opals and sparkling rubies. It was not often that the king chose to wear such a crown. King Alanius was adorned in plain blue garb, with the emblem of Lysville stitched upon it, a dragon like that of the many who served under the greater rule of the high king. Standing next to him was General Zarks who was significantly younger than both the king and the elder. Zarks was middle-aged, but had the complexion of one who was no more than 20. His hair was jet black and stood in stark contrast to the white Alanias' beard. The general boasted a reddish beard and beneath it, a golden talon hung from his neck. Zarks was the first to acknowledge Derek. Zarks respected Elder Derek, but did not approve of the magic that he and other members of his order of the Ashenborn possessed. Elder Derek Ashen Elda. He said, putting a hand to his chest and bowing slightly. Elder Derek returned the motion, surprised at the show of respect in general, and turned to Alanias, bowed longer and lower. Your Highness in general, Elder Derek said, nodding to each of them. Alanias smiled. You have no need to call me that, Your Highness. You are my equal more than I could ever hope to define, but if you would continue to call me so, then that is your choice. Elder Derek blinked. My king, you honor me. Bowing again for good measure, he added, Besides, I would show honor to my king. Zarks turned back to a large scroll sprawled out on the wooden table in front of him. The table was large enough to seat a war council of thirty, if circumstances so required of it. Elder Derek joined the two men and examined the scroll, knowing that it was a large-scale map of Yadir, including a limited portion of five islands to the south called the Minos Isles, a region outside the High King's realm. Of the kingdom of Zerain, under the reign of Archyrus, there were seven. One being Lysfell, where they resided. The closest to them were the kingdoms of Malfate to the north and Mavet to the south. He, we have received word of a disturbing situation. Would that show the alarms all who hear it? Zark said hoarsely. What is it? Derek asked, untying his sword and placing it beside Zark's sword, which lay against the far wall. This is our respect and often symbolic of equal footing within their specific room. The king's royal sword rested upon the same wall. Alanis watched him with interest. Hroth of Mavet has sent word that a small battalion stands at his gates, Alanis said. 
he seems unable to deal with it at this time. What makes you think this is more unusual than usual, Derek asks. It's not like Croft makes friends with everyone. Barbarians dwell in the mountains in the south. He has done nothing more than kill and rout them. I imagine that would respond in kind. Zark snored in amusement. This is correct, Elder, but the description and circumstances say otherwise, Zark said. These are not giant men of the mountains. He pointed to the kingdom of Map, a hand's length away from Lysol. His finger made a dull thump as he tapped the map. Perhaps sent word that after examining the combatants, he saw the map, the, re the mark of the Reaper's hammer upon their cloaks, which oddly enough covered all their faces. The symbol of Movet. Are the people of Movet going to attack themselves? Derek said. It is possible to conclude the barbarians merely stole these garments from Movet and went want to cause trouble. Alanis nodded. That's what Zarks and I were discussing before you arrived. However, when Hroth sent men to meet the battalion, they arrived and more curious. They uh, provided a more curious report. Alanis opened a scroll he had in his hand and began to read aloud. They burned our men with what we believe to be magical flame. And while archers fired arrows, they pierced them, but none succumbed to mortal wounds. Zarks rolled his eyes. Hearing a second time makes me wonder how Hroth rules his kingdom. Too often calling us for aid for something he could easily handle himself. A few Junais with swords could easily deal with this supposed problem. Derek cast him an amused look. Alanis gaze was fixed upon Zarks for a moment before he slowly turned to Elder Derek. I ask you here because magical fire is cause for concern. I would think it would be wise to have your opinion on a response. You alone are the most qualified in dealing such as these. Let them figure it out, Zarks growled. Whoever it is threatens war. If we become involved, it may cause further conflict. We would remain aloof, but a is a key merchant trader. They are an ally, so any war or battle would result in us assisting them, even if it may be foolishness, Alan I said flatly, remaining focused on Derek's face. There's that issue, Zark said with a smirk. <coughs> Elder Derek ran his fingers through his own beard. A reaper's hammer, he said, speaking of weapons specific, specific to royalty that resided in Mavet. A scythe and battle hammer forged together, a weapon such that would cause immense damage to any who crossed its path in hostility. Is there any detail as to what made the fire? Derek said thoughtfully, his gaze elsewhere. None has been specified, Zarks remarked. My opinion is it is nothing but smoke. What do you think, Elder? Alanis asked again. This is speculation, but I believe it could be linked to something that alarmed me earlier in the temple, Zark, or Derek said. Zark gave him an inquisitive look. The dragon eyes have begun to pulsate and shine hues of color, unlike the usual, the usual dull color that they possess, Derek said. Alanis' eyes gleam with excitement. They are kindling, as Ashenborn put it. Derek nodded. Their power can be felt from within the temple. I have sent word to the Ashenborn. Zark scratched his hand. What would that signify? He asked, turning to Alanias. Forgive me, I do not have much experience in dealings with magic stones. Elder Derek put his right wrist outward. Bright shards of light pulsated under his skin. My ashen stones, natural hues of reddish brown, signifying the power that I carry. With it, it enhances my already natural magic. Its power to bond with another is at its fullest when it begins to glow. The oldest of us can feel them. When the stones glow, called the kindling, Ashenborn then are able to bestow the right to use its power. When this occurs, it means the new Ashenborn will enter the world, Alanis. Finished Derek's words. Derek nodded precisely. Zark shook his head. So the implication is great in that case. I'd always wondered where your abilities truly came from. I guess it was from books or incantations. Books are for knowledge. Spells are for darker beings than you or I, Zark, or Derek replied. Zark still his head considering what that meant. 
There, however, is an issue. When the Ashen Stones kindle, there are those who often follow like moths to flame, Eric said. Who are those that follow? Zarek asked. Excuse me. Derek shook his head, unsure of himself. Again, this is not enough proof for yet, just yet, to give an answer. I am an old man, bound by old wives' tales and ancient stories, he laughed. Anais approached the window, overlooking Akina, and looked out. I do not want to take Cross' claim lightly, nor do I foresee it to be too troublesome or something cannot be dealt with. It is still worth my time to discover for myself, Derek said. Better to see it for ourselves than be bothered by some of Throth's scrolls, Zarks confirmed. Anais pursed his lips, then spoke. Derek, I would like you to appease Troth by going and satisfying whatever question you have about how the stones may be connected to this incident, Alan I said. At least it would be a good step forward, even if there is nothing to be concerned about. Derek agreed. Could very well be nothing, but if it is something, we have more to lose by not going. Indeed, Alan I said, I will send you with 20 men to investigate. Alan I paused. You do need men, correct? Elder Derek let a short chuckle escape him. You flatter me, King. You think me a god, do you? Anais laughed vigorously. Humbleness, my friend, your best attribute. Ten men I will provide, and more. You might appear that you need them. Zarx grinned. I will prepare men for the journey. What would you have me do, my king? Zarx said, enjoying the exchange and looking forward to the excitement of a journey. I would like you to focus on guarding the Ashen Temple while Derek is away and continue securing the kingdom for the coming Ashenborn festivities. Zarx looked disappointed as he dutifully bowed and left the room after strapping on his sword with the customary salutation. With the sound of retreating footsteps, they knew he was gone. Peacetime is boring to a dinner like here, Alan I sighed and shrugged, his gaze following the direction Zark had taken. Elder Derek shifted uncomfortably. I have a question for you as well, King Derek said, almost hesitantly. Alan I raised a brow. Oh? You wish to wait until Zark's left? Yes, Derek said. It has come to my attention your sons have come of age. Will they participate in the action? Alan I smiled. You don't have to worry about discussing things with me. Why the interest? If the fragments are active and the Ashenborn give me the right of bright flame, your sons will be the most qualified to become Ashenborn, Derek said. Alan I smiled with pride. It would most certainly be honored to, but let's watch them in the tournament and decide from their moral choices. I want the best for them always. I apologize for not bringing up around Zarks, but I know he has a distaste for magic. He would surely argue such things. Alan I sombered for a minute. He hates magic because of what happened to many in past battles. All who hate swords for the same very reason. He means well. I can relate to his reasoning. Derek accepted this reasoning and bowed. The loss of the queen will never be forgotten. Alanis looked somber for a minute. His eyes gleaming with unshed tears. Then he smiled, dismissing his sadness. She will never be forgotten. We will speak more on this soon. Send word to, the, to me when you have come to a conclusion on this matter. Derek bowed. Yes, your highness. And Derek? Yes. Be careful. Elderick bowed and left the room. Looking back, he saw Anas moving back to the window with a look Derek took as sorrowful. Alright guys, that's page 21. It actually changes perspective at that point. Hope you guys have enjoyed the listening. I will continue on with the next bit next week. Again, appreciate you guys and you guys have a good one. Thanks.